With myself, Cliff Foster, a.k.a. the amazing Cliff, on the old Twitter, your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time, the Nintendo 64. And by Jinjo, we've got an episode for you today. And I mean, this was an absolute pleasure to record, because today we are not just introducing Player 2, we are introducing also Player 3. Yes, it's time for our second ever Player 2 enters the pod. And we go into a real in-depth look into Amorpha, Pocket Ninja, how they met, to the games that they play, to Doom 64, to Duke Nukem 64, to Quake. I mean... This is such a lovely chat, and I can't wait for you all to hear this. Now, before we do that, obviously, we are on the old Twitch. If you aren't following us already, N64 Life Podcast. Come and join the amazing community. Um, We are, unfortunately... <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? We're only 58 followers away from me having to play Superman 64 in its entirety. Oh, well, hey <laughs> But no, please come and join us over there. We're doing, obviously, uh, the, if you're looking at what times, t- uh, 8.30 till 11, uh, every Friday, every Sunday, Keep in touch with the old Twitter, though, just in case I do change the days like I did last week to a Saturday. At the moment, though, we're playing all sorts. We're going to be playing Timber Tiger Racing. Yes, we're going old school. Timber Tiger Racing, Uh, not Diddy Kong Racing, because that's a weird mod of it. Um, But we are playing Timber Tiger Racing, and... Uh, That's on the Friday streams. Uh, Also, there will be four games up for grabs. Always happens on a Friday stream where I put four games in the old vote. If you get in there nice and early, then guess what? You get to vote for these games. Um, And then on Sunday, we are continuing our Chronicles of Matty and his magical freeway gun. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) on custom robo uh which is a great game i mean brilliant i'm really enjoying it so come and enjoy the fun over there but do you know what it's time to do this because hang on let's do this again let's do that again hang on time to do this what's time to do this ladies and gentlemen let's introduce amorpha let's introduce pocket ninja and let's do this you two hello hello Hello. right so (laughs) introduce yourselves to the people if you don't if they don't already know who you are well oh Oh, go on in 
Mount of strife. So you've see, probably might have seen me around on Cliffy streams or commenting on his Twitter. I'm Amorpher, or also known as Amorpher64. I'm a Nintendo 64 enthusiast, Doom 64 enthusiast, any kind of first-person enthusiast. So I do modding and uh, let's plays with my wife, Pocket Ninja, who's also on here. Hello. Yeah. Hello. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm Pocket Ninja. I am unfortunately married to a morpher. Um, <laughs> no, he's great. Uh, yeah, I've, I I play a lot of games. I'm just kind of all all round gamer. And recent years, I've been going back and catching up on some of those retro games that I never got a chance to play when I was younger because you know never had the big consoles. So yeah, I I do streaming. Uh, you might catch me doing a co-op chaos with a morpher as well. You probably see me there. But yeah, I just play games and they, people want to talk to me for some reason. It's good. Well, well as I'm sure <laughs> a lot of people have gathered between your accents, obviously mm -hmm. Amorpha, you're from the United States of America, and Pocket Ninja, you're from the UK. Yes. So how did you two actually meet? <laughs> On the internet. <laughs> In the interweb. <laughs> yeah, on the interwebs. So it was like te 10 years ago. No, actually more than that. It was 15 years ago. Um, we met on a chat thing called IMVU, which is still around now. Um, and it was a random chat. So there was this, um, you can make these little avatars and you did like this 3D meet thing. It's like a little bit like Sims. You talk to each other. And then I made my one and apparently he made his one in between doing homework for like his university. And he clicked connect to a random person and then he connected to me and then that was the first time we spoke to each other and awesome. he he used to talk about wrestling i used to do jujitsu so i have a black belt in jujitsu hence the name pocket ninja um and so he would talk about wrestling i would talk about jujitsu we kind of connected and then imvu started crapping out on us and so it was like well we want to keep talking to each other after we don't really want to do it on this anymore so we went to msn and then we just spoke to each other every single day and so there you go that's how we've been together it's, it's really nice talking to you two because obviously there's parallels between that and well me and my other half left in the met in the uk but you know me and you actually moved out i think we noticed in a discussion about the same time about 2010 i moved mm -hmm. to south america you moved to north america yep. so it's nice to see those parallels <laughs> yeah yeah it was kind of i always tell people that he imported me because i'm exotic goods so. <laughs> I, I, I think i've said this on a before that's the only time Essex mm. has been described as exotic goods. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, yeah. Amorpha, you are possibly the biggest Doom fanboy I think I've ever met. Now, I've said this before on streams. My first ever experience of Doom was a cousin of mine had it for a PC. Now, we never had decent PCs. Uh, in my house so to play doom for the first time there was like oh it's 3d oh 3d worlds you know from uh sega mega drive boy in the 16-bit era um explain to me how you got into doom uh, doom as a franchise so i remember i have a vague memory of memory of around 93 and i did see doom being briefly played on those old lcd laptops you know where just ghosting it's a very blurry mess so I was like, oh, that kind of looks interesting. and But I never owned a PC because United States PCs were less popular than uh, consoles. So Americans would likely have a bunch of consoles before they would ever thinking of getting a, something like an Amstrad or Amiga or a PC. 
And so my first experience with Doom was actually uh, Doom 64. And oh, I, yeah, so, yeah, that's my so first time So it was the N64. It. Yeah, yeah, because in America, like if you were just having consoles, uh, the previous generation was like the Super Nintendo. And the Super Nintendo didn't have many first-person shooters on it. Sure, it had a port of Doom on it, but uh, carts were expensive, especially ones with the Super FX chip. So you go looking to pay 70, 80 bucks for that. And mm. it's not known to be a good Doom port on the Super Nintendo. So I wasn't exposed in, in to first-person shooters until the Nintendo 64. And when I tried to explain to people, like the how many different and how many good first-person shooters there were on the Nintendo 64, they don't believe it. It was a good console if you were wanting to play first-person shooters, and the analog stick actually helps. It does, because as I've already said multiple times on this podcast, sometimes that controller is a dick for any... (laughs) It's it's just a pain in the ass for any... Especially fighters. But first-person shooters... It's very good. It's actually, it brings it back to that PC element of having a joystick. Um, So was Doom 64 the first first person shooter you had for the console? I don't, I no longer remember. Because I remember having three games around that early time. It was Turok, Doom 64, Mm -hmm. and Duke Nukem 64. And I don't remember which one was the first one I had on my Nintendo 64. Like, I remember when I first got the Nintendo 64 and had Mario 64, it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, my dad didn't realize it came with the game. And so I just got the Nintendo 64, nothing to play. And somehow he scrounged up the extra money to go uh, to Kmart, which doesn't really exist anymore, to scrounge up a Mario 64. Yeah, so it was it was one of those games. And I don't remember. I don't remember which one it was. And, and funny enough, I remember... At the time, people saying uh, that Doom 64 was like a port of the PC version Mm. of Doom. And a lot of people, well, until probably last year, most people still probably thought that Doom 64 was a PC port. For me, I actually, I thought the same. But I thought the Mm -hmm. PC port was like Doom 64. So when I played the PC version of Doom, well, I was in for a surprise. So Yeah, because as I covered on the last podcast, it isn't. It's almost a best of. And actually, I, I, I can't remember what they're called. Look, I, I couldn't remember. I didn't do my research. What are the big red floaty things called? Oh, the Kaku Demons. Kaku Demons. So the Kaku... <laughs> thank you. The Kaku Demons, to me, in the PC version, look up very cartoony. They look... They're not particularly intimidating, where on the uh, Doom 64, they are, one, they're hard as F, and two, they look creepy as F as well with the chains and they're sort of darkened red rather than a pillar box red. It's it's a lot more creepy, I would say. Yeah, on the PC port of Doom, or I shouldn't say port, the original Doom, <laughs> Doom 1 and Doom 2, they call the uh, Demons tomatoes. Because of the of how cartoony they look like, and uh, and I guess I'm trying to start people calling the Doom 64 cat go demons meatballs because they're like meatballs <laughs> with a couple arms sticking out, and they, they look do. as gro- compared to how shiny and nice a tomato looks, the Doom 64 ones look grotesque as like a meatball from spaghetti. 
completely i love that analogy i love it um so with yourself pocket ninja you already said mm-hmm. that you weren't really an n64 player were, were you a gamer growing up because yes. i believe we're the same age as well yeah or roughly about um, the same age so i i actually started playing games when i was about four years old i had the amstrad the old mm-hmm. tape cassette piece of shit that existed and we had that for like a long long time and so i i was never a person who had the consoles growing up we didn't really have a lot of money to buy brand new consoles and so um i did end up getting my hands on a, a mega drive genesis um and mm-hmm. the snares and stuff but it was very very briefly but my main console was the amiga 500 that's what i kind mm. of grew up on but the, while i had the amiga 500 we had this guy that used to come to our house and he was a friend of my dad's and he would bring his consoles around. So I got to play on an N64 for one weekend when he brought it around. And the first game I ever played was Goldeneye. And so oh. I did actually have a go. But then it wasn't our console, so we never really got to actually like keep it. So it was a very, very brief. And I don't think he had it when it first came out. So I don't think he didn't have Doom 64. Actually, the mm. first time I ever played Doom 64 was with Amorpha. I've never played it. So um, he was constantly, I'm like, all right, I'm going to play it. This this game, all I hear about is Doom 64. Let me have a go. That sort of thing. So I have played games my entire life. We got the the, the whole, we, we have all of the um, the PlayStation. We have all the Xboxes. We basically now make a point of collecting all of the consoles. We have all of them right now. And so now I'm going back and replaying all those games I missed out on. But yeah, I was, I'm an avid gamer for a girl. I try. <laughs> Nothing so, wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? I think that's one thing. You, we were just you were just saying that you everyone was under the general impression that Doom 64 was just a port. And yeah. you talking about, you know, revisiting this with Amorpha. And it's the same with me, you know, with doing a podcast, with doing a retro anything retrospective, it's great to go back and look at this cuz mm-hmm. I I assumed that Doom 64 was a port because the N64 was terrible at, and sometimes I don't just mean terrible doing it a lot. Sometimes I mean terrible that they did the ports terribly. Um, I I mean, that it it used to want to port absolutely everything across. So to look back on it must be quite nice for you. Now, with yourselves, obviously you've got your own Twitch stream channels, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've yeah. seen, I've seen you guys play. You played. I've seen you guys play Star Fox. I'm sorry. I've seen you play Quake and uh, Pocket Ninja. Shoot a more for about twenty times. <laughs> I, I've seen you. Uh, what would you say in your sort of revisits of computer games, especially N64, because it is an N64 podcast? Is there anything that you've gone back to revisit and you've gone, this is a new favorite? really like the quake one that we've played mm. like that's that's a really good game and a lot of times like i i'm not a big fan of the n64 controller i've said it many many times the retro fights controllers hashtag sponsor um, sponsor are, are <laughs> giving me a life because i just cannot with that controller um like i remember the first time i came over here um amorpha had the n64 and he we was like oh what can we do we'll play the n64 and i said all right i've never played one before like well, come on in show me it's magic so he he puts in Hexen and he handed me the N64 controller and I was like, the f- 
Right. This. What am I supposed to do with this? And I'm just like, because I'd never played with one before. Yep, he has it right there. And so he's, <laughs> he's like, showing it on camera. He's like, he's like, he's like, hold it like this and do this. And I'm like, you need free arms for this thing. What are we doing? <laughs> so, so it was just to me, it just, I kind of stayed away from the N64 because it was just like, why? 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 No, why? So kind of revisiting it, going back to it, it's kind of nice to see because you can see elements of new games in these old games and so for me like yeah it is nice to go back and see quake and like i enjoyed like star fox and things but it, it's just nice to see where some of these new games kind of come from so i don't really have a particular favorite like perfect dark was a fun one that we did yeah we did play the new rare replay one but then later we did go back and play the original and it's mm -hmm. just they are like it's great for first person shooters it, it really is like it, it was way beyond its time um, and I can say that as a, a neutral person. Non-biased. <laughs> yeah. yes. Non-biased. Non so let's come back to you, Amorpha. Doom 64. That's what we're all here for. We're here for a bit of Doom 64. And I was wondering if there's a baddie that stands out as your favourite in the game itself. Uh, people will probably curse me for this one, but uh, my favorite bad guy in Doom 64 is the uh, Lost Soul, the skull with that's on fire. And uh, they charge yeah, yeah, you from cool. nowhere. But <laughs> I, actually, I actually like how they behave. They're uh, what they call an agent of chaos because sometimes, like, if you really play a lot of first person shooters like I do and you start learning the enemy patterns, it becomes like, uh, like baking a cake. There's a yeah. certain recipe you follow. And with those lost souls, oh, they... Never, never follows recipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But with those lost souls, they put a little bit of chaos in there, and you have to change your patterns up. So uh, for people that are probably just starting out, out in the Doom series, they probably will hate the lost souls. But if you've been playing it for a while, it makes you change your strategies every now and then and puts a little bit of uh, spice into the gameplay. Because I was playing um, the other night on your brilliant mods, and if no one saw it, go back and watch it on oh, the amazing. Twitch stream. Uh, they found out a scary about amount of information about me uh, to the point of I've changed the locks of my front door just in case. Uh, I've told Homeland Security to stop them coming over. Uh, I, I yes, but at the same time, it was one of my you know I forgot about those Dark Souls, and they were on the opposite side. And the bugger charged me. And <laughs> obviously in Do Doom, nothing really ever charges you. Yeah, Something yeah. plods along towards you or shoots at you from afar, but they don't tend to come flying across the map. And yeah, I, I get what you mean because, you know, there's certain games with myself. Um, obviously, it's well documented. My love for uh, Ocarina of Time. I can play that game and not think you know there was it was the easiest stream i've ever done because i was just playing that game and going oh here we go this is the hundredth time i've completed this game uh it, it wasn't really a challenge to play that game on a stream mm. yet playing something like doom where you've got those dark souls to me as uh, somebody that loves that game but isn't as well acquainted as you to me that's like oh for f what are you doing don't charge me that's me um, <laughs> don't do that i've just got used to this why are you doing that um, um obviously first person shooters for the game and you've already brought up one which was which went off against uh doom on the battle for jinjos and that was duke nukem um, and obviously we had oh he's holding up the cart um we also had um, 
Oh, 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 mm -hmm. it's got yeah. a little signature on there. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I have a Duke Nukem 64 with John St. John, the voice actor. John St. John, the legend. Did you meet him in person then? Yes, yes, both Pocket Ninja and I met him at a uh, kind of like a comic con in uh, Detroit. We, a mm -hmm. we actually drove up there from Indianapolis to see a few guests that were going to be there. And one of them was John, John St. John, where I brought my Nintendo 64 cart up there. And he's like, oh, so we almost uh, almost ended up in Canada during that story. <laughs> Accident because we thought it was a parking garage and we took a turn in and it was the border of Canada and we turned down a road and we was like oh I'm looking for a parking garage and they're like excuse me ma'am this is Canada and well, I was like oh, <laughs> <laughs> so what is it literally on the border yes yeah Detroit's no. literally on the border <laughs> yeah I was looking for a parking garage and I almost went into the border I didn't have a passport and I was like oh back sorry <laughs> <laughs> we just come to meet John St. John. We haven't come to we haven't come to cross the border. <laughs> yeah. Funny story. Yeah, and, and I know uh, John St. John was a little bit late there too, so he probably ended up in Canada for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so where does it where does your love of Duke Nukem start as well? Is that I assume on the N sixty four? Yes, yeah. So uh Duke Nukem and Doom 64, I had them about the same time. And, mm. um, and I'm going to be honest with everyone. So everyone knows how obsessed I am with Doom 64. But I probably, back in the, like 98, I probably played Duke Nukem 64 a little bit longer <gasps> than Doom 64. And that's, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the reason was, is uh, back in the day, the N64 was a party console that we'd invite your friends over. And every uh -huh. weekend, we will pull out the multiplayer games and we'll play uh, the Duke match, the, the split screen, up to four players, Duke Nukem 64 death match. And even if we only had a couple of us, they had those uh, Duke bots, which were incredibly stupid. But the thing is, they're so stupid that they're funny. They'll make you laugh. So you always want to put them in there. And they'd be like, uh, uh, where is it? Where is it? Because uh, uh, they randomly programmed them in to try to open everything. They didn't know what a door was, but they'd be always <laughs> pressing things just to, in case they would open a door. And it was just a, it was a great time. Well, I, I, I hear that somebody on this chat can do a spot-on Duke Nukem impression. I want to say spot-on. <laughs> I, I, I heard it was spot-on. Well, the, the story behind this is when we met John St. John. And um, I've always pissed around doing a Duke Nukem voice. And he, we met him at a table and he wrote on... I, so we had a Doom, a Duke Nukem Forever. And mm -hmm. I was holding that. And then Amorpha gives him the cartridge... And um, and I was like, oh, can you can you sign my my Duke Nukem Forever? And he talks it off. He signed the disc, and he goes, I might as well sign it because if I get hit by a bus, it'll be worth something someday. And that, <laughs> that was what he said. And as he was writing, he wrote Hell to the King on my fingers. And as he did it, I went, mm, Hell to the King, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he he looked up and he went, That was really good. <laughs> and I was just like. I was like, it's all right. And he went, well, for a girl, I mean, it was pretty good. And I was like, all right. Because it, it's very hard to go that <laughs> deep and bassy. Yeah. That, uh, yes, Duke, yes. You know, John St. John, it's such an iconic <clears throat> voice. Yeah. And it is. It's one of those gaming voices that you hear and you go, ooh, ooh. Um, so... 
<laughs> me, John, said John. Uh, other than that, have you? Is there anybody else cool that you've met from the world of uh, gaming uh, at all? Oh yeah, we've met mm. uh, quite a few people. Like one of um, um I met uh, Kira Yumoka from Silent Hill. The Did music you really? Mm -hmm. <gasps> That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I went up to him and I was, I was like, oh, I, uh, I was like, I learned your um. Uh, the Lisa theme from the Silent Hill on the piano, and he was looking at me here, and his interpreter was like telling him what I just said, and he's like, yeah. "That's good." <laughs> I don't think he can speak like a word of, of English. Like, maybe he can, but he was just like, "Yes, good." <laughs> I was like, okay. "That is acceptable." <laughs> Do good, yeah. <laughs> I'd see Robin Robin Beadland, uh If anybody listens to the podcast regularly, you know that is one man I would love to meet. I think composers are very interesting because i uh, I, I know that morphe you were saying that you were there's a lot of issues at the moment with the original quake game um yeah because yeah because of copyright mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah trent uh Reznor from nine inch nails composed that uh soundtrack and he recently uh wanted to re-release it on vinyl and went through a distributor and that distributor will send it to places like spotify that's the only way you can get on spotify but they mm. also retain the rights to the soundtrack so Anytime that Quake soundtrack is now being played on things like YouTube and stuff, it will get a copyright claim against it. So they've had to uh, find other ways around that using alternate music packs. Because you do a lot of modding for yes. Doom 64, Quake, uh, other games. Um, it, what is... Explain some of the bits that you've modded. Because obviously the modding community, we've started to visit on streams. We'll start to do more mods as we go along, especially on the podcast as well, as we go through our journey with the N64. But what sort of mods have you done so far with uh, Doom? What, what sort of crazy bits have you added? So oh, I, I have to try to... I probably don't won't remember everything. I mean, uh, I initially got into uh, modding with music. I, I started making dark ambient music and, like, inspired by the Doom 64 soundtrack the Qu and the Quake 64 and the Quake 2 Nintendo 64 soundtracks because uh, those were all unique to those games. And so I started making music, and then I approached uh, the Doom community with it first. Mm -hmm. It was actually the Quake community that actually um, took hold of it and wanted to use it. So, like, if you find a lot of those alternate music packs now, you will find my tracks in there these days. That's uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so every really, It's not really easy listening, though. You know, it's kind of like the music he plays sometimes, like it's it's really, really good, but sometimes he's playing songs and I'm like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, he's like, I'm like, well, just take the headphones out. I want to listen to it. And all it is is. I'm like, I'm like, put, put, put your headphones back on. Put them on, please. I feel like I want to eat children. Yeah, and, that, and that's, uh, and like if you're playing Doom 64 or Quake, that's what kind of mo mood you're going it's, for, right? It's perfect for it, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. To be honest, it's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> eat children, eat children. So yeah. we, we, brushed, we brushed on Duke, we brushed on Doom, Quake. Now, the original quake for the n64 oh he's going for it again he's got his copy oh, he's got, all of he's, it, got yeah. a, he's got a, oh he's got the box version i've got mm -hmm. my box quake 2 up there i'll show mm -hmm. you on the next stream i can't be asked to stand up um but yeah no with the original quake uh, there it is um 
what are your opinions of Quake and Quake 2? So, Quake 1 atmospherically overlaps a lot with Doom 64. So mm -hmm. I played a lot of Quake 64 and Nintendo 64, and when a lot of people don't know that uh, Quake 64, even though it's mostly a PC port and it sacrificed some geometry, it adds colored lighting. And Doom 64 also has colored lighting as well. Yes. So those end up being both co very colorful games. And they have the, they both have the same uh, musician behind them, Aubrey Hodges. So they both have a similar comp compositional style. And so they overlap a lot into me. That's why when I approach the Doom community, I also approach the Quake community at the same time. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of overlap in there. I mean, Doom 64 is still my number one in terms, I guess, in terms of first-person shooters of what I say. really get obsessed with. But Quake is in there a lot. So Pocket Ninja has heard me talk like almost equally part maybe 90 percent also about quake as well mm -hmm. and so yeah so I'm, I'm really into that and uh then as you also mentioned quake 2 on the n64 so i don't enjoy quake 2 quite as much as as let's say the pc version of as quake 1 because quake 1 it has is more dark and brooding while quake 2 is more it has a more upbeat so soundtrack by sonic mayhem and it's more in your face and it's more of like what you would expect in a modern doom where you're almost energized like you're a god amongst a bunch of uh minion monsters just slaughtering them all while in quake 1 and doom 64 you're more of like a uh you're persecuted against them you're more of like an underdog but and but then when you win it's like oh yeah that's a big accomplishment i mean it's not necessarily the case when you play the game but it makes you feel that way now the quake 2 nintendo 64 version is different than the PC one. It has unique levels, they're not the same. And the soundtracks are different as well. The Quake 2 N64 has a dark ambient soundtrack by, by the one only Aubrey Hodges going as, uh, it was something like uh, uh, Ken Razor Richmond. Because the contracts, he had to go under pseudonym to sneakily do a game. Oh, did he really? Yes, yes. Oh. It was not made by that port was not done by Midway, but Aubrey Hodges was still under contract to Midway, so he did the contract under a different name, so Midway wouldn't sue him. That's brilliant. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I would, I think, if I would prefer the Quake Two on the N64 over the PC version, unfortunately. I can't get a handle on the Quake 2 controls. They're very, they're too touchy. Yeah, and they're too sensitive. They're way too sensitive. Um, obviously, Quake 2 and Quake will eventually join the battle for Jinjos. Um, it, Quake 1 may well be facing off something that's already been in the jet battle for Jinjos, not maybe even next year or the year after. So Quake is on the old... It's on the shelf because what else do you face Quake against apart from Doom? Um, yeah. And I was thinking I, I, I'm going to have to go back to Doom on the battle for Jinjos because Quake, uh, same with, um, you know, uh, obviously Quake 2, there is another franchise that we've already mentioned with Duke Nukem because Duke Nukem does have a second uh, title for this console. Um that will more likely be facing off against Quake 2 eventually. But Quake 1, what else do you face it off against apart from Doom? They're so... They, it's a brother and sister. To me, yeah, Quake, and, Quake and Doom yeah. are brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the... Uh, I guess... Uh, 
maybe the Doom 64 would be the older sister, and then Quake would be the younger brother. Yeah. <laughs> Quake's, the, Quake's the one that's had too much sugar, running around the place, <laughs> doesn't sort of know what direction it's going in. Um... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a teenage boy. <laughs> so let's go on to the N64 um, as, as a console. Now, obviously, you said that first-person shooters. What other games did you love for this console? Oh, so I... Let me see. So I, I remember it got... <laughs> oh for god's sake i knew that was coming you've been sat there this whole entire recording going i must drop in ecw hardcore revolution to cliff <laughs> i'm gonna let, bloody you in nurse. I let you in a secret i've never played ecw haven't you no good. I, don't even like, I don't even like wrestling <laughs> get out no get out i love that yeah. as you're saying to the man with a turnbuckle yeah. tattoo mm. to his arm you don't yeah. like wrestling. Oh, well, I'm dear. married to a backyard wrestler, so you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just one of those things. I've, I, I, it, I'm, I'm the sort of person that I got, get in on a joke. So when is a when is a joke going? I just get on in it. So when you know Amorphous like ECW, I'm like yeah ECW ECW. <laughs> <laughs> it's a running it. gag now. It's it's yeah. like the poo talk. Yeah. It's now poo just talk. a yeah. running gag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. I'm just never played it. <laughs> Don't I, I mean, playing it. <laughs> I loved ECW back in the day, but it's Nintendo 64 game because uh, ECW couldn't give a claim that much money, so they claimed didn't yep. put much time into it. <laughs> Even less time than WWF Attitude, and I don't understand how that was possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like... Uh, you yeah, had the uh, engine! You had the engine there! How did you mess this up? <laughs> but speaking of wrestling games and N64 games I like, um, I think Nintendo 64 has the best wrestling game of all time. Now, uh, there's a debate of which one it is. Is it Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, which came out in Japan, or is it mm -hmm. WWF No Mercy, which had more of a global release? And I grew up with WWF No Mercy, and I say it's the best wrestling game of all time. It's only been downhill since then, and I don't want to play any other wrestling game in the modern era. Don't give that Hi. to me. I just I tell want to play WWF No Mercy. I can completely <laughs> agree with that. I, I said on the uh, WrestleMania 2000 versus Attitude, uh, which was our first ever 5-0, um, I, I said on that that um, I, I, the only thing that I would say that WrestleMania 2000 has over it is the basis that you get the full ring, uh, ring entrance and it doesn't just cut you off on the ramp. Um, but you you look at the modding community for that. I mean, I'm gutted that 99.9% of those mods won't run off the EverDrive. They yeah. have to be used through Pod Project 64 because there's new textures. New. I mean, I played on the project uh, on Project 64. I played the uh, NXT Takeover one, and I was like, I just want this to work for my EverDrive. I want to work on this. Oh, come on, yeah. do it so I can play it on my actual console. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. definitely something about playing on the original hardware, and that's a question mm. we get a lot of times when we stream because we go back and we play a lot of the games on the old. And people go, "Are you playing on the? Is it an emulation?" And I'm like, "No, mm. we're playing on the original hardware because we want. I want to go back and I want to experience the original hardware." And so that's what a question totally we get agree. a lot. And I mean, the uh, the setup that we have. I know this is a little bit off tangenty, but you said tangents are okay, so tangents, <laughs> so, go for it. 
so we have like the whole retro tink and we've got the um uh, the capture devices and we have like this spaghetti of <laughs> connecting to our tv to make this happen so it's like when we are playing these games we're going back and playing with the original controller because it's part of the feel of of that so it's just like i i'm i love emulations and i love mods but we could never get a good one for the n64 like we tried it it's nothing quite like going back to the original you know the cartridge and everything so it's yep. just i'm i'm glad we can work that out because yeah i ain't got time for that <laughs> yeah, the, and, yeah the nintendo right. 64 is uh in some ways it's kind of exotic hardware it was the first uh, well not the first but it was a 64-bit console which took computers a decade or two to catch up on and get 64-bit processors yeah you can't take it away from the jaguar 64 because it's such an <laughs> iconic oh no it wasn't it was a piece of <laughs> um but no go on carry on <laughs> yeah and then also like uh the nintendo 64 has unified memory so the video yeah. memory the ram is all together in one and consoles only now are starting to do that so back in uh, 96 it was like what the hell is going on here with when it came to uh, programmers and so when it comes to emulation it's hard to emulate a console like that and so yeah. then 64 emulation is not great you, you can you're better off emulating a gamecube believe it or not the gamecube emulation is much better than the nintendo 64 mm -hmm. and that kind of forces us guys to go on original hardware and work with those with the cartridges and stuff luckily the n64 is a pretty durable system i'm only on my second one so mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm on my first and the, the I, original I, controllers as well with all the the mm -hmm. big bits of doritos and shit stuck to the buttons yeah it's it's the it's the true feeling yeah <laughs> you can lick that controller and mm -hmm. taste, the, taste 90s. the 90s yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like me, you know, I'm on my, obviously I have my Japanese uh, N64, but I, I, this is my original N64. Mm -hmm. uh, they are my, well, obviously I've got over 80 cartridges now. You were saying about playing off of real hardware. I have an EverDrive. I could download every single N64 game and go, well, I'm done now. I'm not going to spend my yeah. money on this anymore. But there is something about getting that mm -hmm. cartridge through the post and yep. plugging in. Now, I spent 170 quid on Conker's Bad Fur Day, a oh, box version. <laughs> and there was something, and somebody said, you could just get the emulation or a repro. Yeah, I could. But there's something about having it in there. I've got my big box of 80-odd cartridges to have that. And that's the whole point, is that's why I wanted to get an NST, uh, NTSC uh, console, because I thought, well, I want to get all of the cartridges, yeah. and I can't with PAL. Um, now, you were pretty lucky in America that you got certain titles, and thank God my EverDrive, uh, and I will get the hard version of The Amazing Spider-Man that never got a English release. Now, you were pretty lucky, as I said, you didn't miss out on any real titles from the UK um, or from Europe. But was there a game from the United Kingdom? We, we're usually looking at Rare or DMA, uh, DMA here. Was there a game that you played from the UK that you absolutely adored? Which one was it? Well, like I, I talking, I, I talking about the UK developers or like a very yeah, like developers. UK size. Oh, I mean, 
like on N64, of course you have to mention Rare, and I, I love GoldenEye. I didn't have Perfect Dark back in the day. Because it, was, okay. because it came out, out at the end of the N64 life cycle, and I was getting older. My parents weren't buying me things anymore. I didn't have a job, so I couldn't buy carts anymore. Uh, but <laughs> I, I love Perfect Dark now. And and then, like uh, as far as I, like Rockstar goes, they, they had games on the PlayStation, but they didn't really do... Mm. I didn't really have anything on the N64 for me to uh, get my hands on. I mean... I, I was jealous seeing those PlayStation ads for all these games like Grand Theft Auto, but I didn't get to play that. And like more like, I guess in some ways, I'm jealous you guys had such a big Amiga market. So United yeah. States, we, we didn't really have the Amiga here. And when I look at it, I was like, oh man, that blows the Super Nintendo out of the water, what the Amiga was. is a PC that was focused on having great audio hardware and great graphics mm. hardware. But over here, our PCs were more like, uh, let's, let's open Excel and do a spreadsheet and then happen <laughs> to make games for them. I didn't do know, any the... shit on the Amiga, I just played games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and then the Ninja. floppy disk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pocket Ninja and I played uh, a Amiga game called Alien Braid, and it had three of yes. them. It was Alien Trilogy. And I love twin-stick shooters. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of good twin-stick shooters that are co-op anymore. No. And But I, I keep on uh, wanting to play Alien Braid, and they they did a re-release that came out for, like, the 360 and stuff, and there was a PC, but you can't play co-op on the PC. You can only play co-op on the 360 version. You have to get that one from the UK, and I don't know if they'll work on my th American 360, so... Ugh, I just want more um, Alien Braid. Just give it to me. Let me play co-op <laughs> Alien Braid, you bastards. So yeah, the nice thing about us being, like, from different countries um, is mm. that, you know, uh, Amorpha will say, oh, I played this game growing up, and I'm like, did you hear about this game? And he's like, no, I've never heard of that. It wasn't over here. So I've yeah. been able to let him know about stuff, you know, from the UK, like Games Master. It wasn't over here. Yes. So that was a whole thing. I introduced him to that. I said, do you ever see the, the, shake, the, the show Games Master? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, you need to look that up. And then he sees yes. that. So it's a nice thing that we're able to compare. And I think we've done that our entire time we've been together is that he'll mm -hmm. tell me something. And then I throw back with him with, oh, did you ever get this? And so like the Amiga, he ne they never got the Amiga over here. So it's a nice balance of being comparing both worlds of, you know, what, what things I, he teaches me things that I missed out of in the US market and I can teach him things that he missed out in the UK market so it's, it's really nice to be able to go back and forth with that kind of thing um, mm -hmm. like there was another game that came out and it, it wasn't very good but there was a game called um, oh god what was the oh my god I'm no, can't name of it now um, it was the one that was banned the one that I've showed you uh, the, the thrill kill which one oh, thrill yeah. kill yeah. Oh, Thrill um, Kill, yes. Thrill Kill, yes, was was never released over here because they banned it before it was released. And I had it in England, and it never came over here. So I was like, there was a game banned, and a lot of things weren't banned in the US. Mm. So if they were if they were made in the UK and banned before they could even be released, the US market never even got them. So mm -hmm. it's one of those, like, so there's this weird kind of toss-up between, like, us sharing information across the countries and I'm trying to slowly put, I'm, as a British person I'm slowly invading the US with my knowledge and <laughs> taking over <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't know. Like I play, I think I've gone through a lot of the the major ones so far, and so I was kind of a. I had PlayStation One, so a lot of the major titles that I had were released on the PlayStation. So there's not really mm. much, and I was never really a Nintendo child, so. I never really grew up with a lot of the major Nintendo titles, and so I, it, to me, I, it's more of a fact of I don't know if I have, if I don't know about it, I can't play it type deal. So it's um, Amorphous likes to dabble with me, but unfortunately, he likes Doom 64 a lot, and unless something's getting murdered <laughs> and mutilated, he doesn't tell me about it. So. <laughs> I'm kind of it's I don't get to see the cutesy things until yeah. you know he's like oh yeah play this yeah if it's not dark depressing and uh <laughs> and horrific I don't want anything to do with it yeah what are you so talking I, I don't about? get to see it Ban- Banjo's dark and depressive it's a witch that's captured a load of gingos and a girl to convert her for her beauty uh, what's more dark and deceitful about that I love witches they're fine by my book they're fine, yeah. They're, 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 they're just misunderstood. But, it's fine. They're just but, misunderstood. So, like, on, a, on one of our previous streams, we did, uh, uh, like, what we call Nintendo 64 Power Hour, because we have an AirDrive, so we can load up various games, and we would have people mm-hmm. suggest games. And uh, I remember we played a little bit of uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day on there. And yes. I remember uh, one of the people in our chat, actually, after we were done, we only played a little bit of it, but after we were done in the chat... They uh, went on and they went found more videos just to see the full Conker's Bad Fur Day uh, Mm -hmm. storyline because they thought it was just out there and wild. I mean, coming from Nintendo, you know, like a lot of people tell me like, oh, like it's surprising that they even allowed uh, Doom 64 on there because Nintendo was so family friendly and they didn't like blood. Completely. And And then they start with Doom 64 and then later on in their life cycle, they end up with Conker's Bad Fur Day too, you know? Mm hmm. It's, it's it, wild. It is, and to be honest, that that's the great thing about this console. It is Nintendo going to themselves, hmm, we should really change. But, it, you know, you had Resident Evil come over to the console, Resident Evil 2, that was. Um, mm. But by the time that they got the exclusive right, and this still baffles me, they had the exclusive rights of Resident Evil 4 for the GameCube. That still absolutely baffles me that that was meant to be a console exclusive until the GameCube didn't sell very well. Um, So then they couldn't be bothered to keep it going. Um, You can blame that on me because... (laughs) Well, same with me. I switched to a PS2. That was when I went away from Nintendo because I thought I'd grown up. Now I'm yeah. 35 and I'm well, talking about Nintendo. <laughs> well, like, uh, like what? Because I, I was uh, so deep in first-person shooters, you know. But when when uh, the GameCube was announced, I was still playing Doom, Quake. I was playing uh, Turok 3. So a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. this is a third Turok. There's also Turok Rage Wars, which I which I, I have too. as well. Yep. And I was playing those games, and when the GameCube was announced, it didn't have those uh, gritty first-person shooters. I was like, oh, where's the overly depressive, your uh, (laughs) odds are against you, you don't want to be there, but you still must fight uh, first-person shooters that the Nintendo 64 got hooked on got me hooked yeah. on and so i uh when the gamecube was out well plus i that's about the time where i didn't have money so i didn't have money for perfect dark mm-hmm. the gamecube wasn't very interesting for me i couldn't afford a new console so i just quit gaming for uh, a few years and it wasn't mm-hmm. until like uh pocket ninja and i um 
started playing together that I really got back into gaming again. Yeah, I feel like I helped him catch up because there was a lot of stuff that when I moved over here, I was he he bought me a PS3 and um because i was like the playstation you know moving over to another country he was like oh yeah. i bought your playstation free because you you know you, you're not going to have a job for a while because Aww. you know being a dirty immigrant um <laughs> <laughs> so i had to wait for all of my stuff to come through before i could yeah. actually work so um he, he yeah he bought me a um yeah he got me a ps3 and stuff and so there was a lot of games that i was like oh we should get this game and he's like never heard of it and i'm like Fallout 3, you've never played Fallout, you've never no, played never this, you've never played that, because he, he he stopped playing games for like the longest, longest time, and the strange thing is, I stopped playing games for the longest, longest time, until I was so sick of watching Doom 64 being played, <laughs> I actually got into gaming again, because I was like, I need some difference in my life. <laughs> Been, I know the Doom 64 soundtrack off the top of my head. Um, I, so I was that got me back into gaming, and that actually got mm. me into streaming because I was like, I want to do my own thing. Because it, so it's been a nice bounce off where we can kind of introduce him to the games he missed out, and now he's introducing me to the games I missed out on. So it's like a nice little kind of we're filling in each other's gaps in a little way. See, um, just a lovely, yeah. perfect couple, just filling in perfect, each other's perfect, gaps of getting perfect. Get, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well like some of those games come to us as like a surprise like uh yeah. like we did a co-op with hexen 64 mm -hmm. and we actually had fun with it we we're actually considering continuing that on but then i also showed her quake and i wasn't sure how she would feel about quake but then she started really liking that too so my first experience with quake was on the dreamcast as i played um yeah I was the obviously I'm the little sister of you know my my dad the, the Dreamcast had the the four ports on it, so I had um, my dad had the controller my brother had a controller I mm -hmm. played on the keyboard no mouse oh. just just the keyboard so I I got the oh, oh, no. do you want to play oh I guess you have to go on you have a keyboard so I had you know moving with the cursor keys and moving with the WSAD oh, and no. getting, yeah that was that was my experience of Quake free arena I was the keyboard kid I did well for a keyboard kid I won't tell you that <laughs> so, it, it meant yeah. that when you got a controller apart from mm. the N64 controller as we've already mm -hmm. identified Hey. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you you were able to absolutely smash it. Yeah, I, I learned the hard way. Hey, my entire gaming career was the hard way. I had a... There was a, the, I always tell people that I used to play Mortal Kombat on an Atari joystick. That is yes. not a lie. I no, had an, no. So I had Amiga, and yeah. um, the Amiga took any one of the ports that, you know, you could plug any controller, and you could plug a, yeah, yeah. a Dreamcast controller and stuff. But it was a port, so you didn't have the correct thing. I had an Atari joystick that was b broken, with, so the actual joystick part was an inch high. So it was snapped in half. So mm. we didn't ha I didn't even have a full joystick. So me trying to do a, a, a death move was basically have a seizure on the stick and then push a button. <laughs> that was so that's as good as I got. Um, uh, so that's, yeah. yeah. So I learned. I literally learned the hard way. So when I got the original hardware, I'm like, oh, y'all bitches going down. So, <laughs> so if you ever, if you two ever come over here and we play for uh, some sort of form of knockout on uh, Mortal mm -hmm. Kombat Four, Mortal Kombat Trilogy. I can give you an OG uh, N64 controller and you should be able to do better than anybody else because no well, one else knows that, the that pain. middle joystick and just do that with it and then push a button. That's, that's, that's what I do. 
Um, I was a poor child. Nobody loved me. <laughs> Amorpha, what was the what's the main game that you would say that uh, Pocket Ninjas introduced you to that you uh, absolutely adore? So, one of them, I guess, was like. Uh, I guess you could say it was like Alien Braid, but yeah, as she mentioned also, yeah. uh, Fallout 3. So I wasn't, I know a lot of people don't really uh, enjoy like Fallout 3 compared to like 1 and 2 because Bethesda started taking them in a different direction, but mm-hmm. that was the one that kind of, she introduced it to me, she said, oh, I think you'd like it. And um, I mean, I'm not really into RPGs, but one thing that Fallout series has done for me that part to the chagrin of RPG fans is they add more first-person shooting elements into it. Yes. And so I was able to get into Fallout 3, and I actually enjoy Fallout 4 as well. I mean, I don't know and about New Fallout Vegas. 76. Yeah, oh yeah, New Vegas. Yeah, I also enjoy New Vegas. I'm trying so, uh, to think what others, uh, I mean... If you're looking at actually Fallout, what I would say that that is... Cause obviously after the n64 doom dropped off the face of the earth for about mm. seven odd years didn't it? it it was or even longer um just trying to remember when yeah because the... no, there was doom 3 which came out in like 2003 or 2005 yeah then it was the next one was what we call now doom 2016 i mean to be <laughs> fair there was like there was like doom rpg on the nokia phones and people say it's a good rpg game but no one can play it uh, and it's not, and it's not, and it's not the first-person shooting type Doom. But yeah, it dropped off until like 2016. It's it's crazy, isn't it? That's such a big franchise, and it. I've said it before, you know. To end on Doom, let's finish on Doom itself, because in my opinion, it is the most fun that you have on a first-person, first-player experience for the N64. Um, you know, you've got your golden eyes, you've got the obvious in there, but to me, that's just fun. It's not over flashy, it's just fun. And to see it drop off for seven years is such a shame. And it came back a very different beast. To be honest, I had a friend that was a PC gamer, and that game, that franchise changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have gave it a different title, and it, you could have just oh. passed it off as not Doom. Yeah, completely. Um, it was a great and game, then, but it wasn't Doom. I'm and then so. you had a movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's not so. No, no. <laughs> I've kept away from that movie deliberately. It had The Rock in it. <laughs> yeah, so does everything that's shame. <laughs> Well, yeah, guys. so like, well, so as as far as Doom goes, I mean, uh, there's a, there's certain reasons why it ends up holding so well uh, up so well, and like as when Cliffy was doing his battle for Jinjos, mm-hmm. you know, I was uh, also playing Duke Nukem uh, 3D and doing my own battle for Jinjos to see if I could predict what the outcomes were, and surprisingly, I predicted every outcome, but actually for different reasons. But, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I did. Do your reasons. Let's let's go through them. Battle for Jinjos. Okay, first let me of all, see if I can remember. Storyline. Oh, here we go. Here we okay. go. Storyline. So, Come on. So for I've got the, the storyline. So for the storyline, you um, you picked uh, Duke Nukem uh, sixty four because of uh, basically how who Duke Nukem is. He's like a Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. If he could be on any more steroids than he already was, and maybe <laughs> there's been an alien invasion, he's a badass, and he's going to save everybody. 
and you gave that ginger over to Duke Nukem because, well, the storyline is a little bit, probably a little bit more to it. But also with uh, uh, Doom 64, there's not the, if you read the manual, there's a certain story where they sent Doom Guy in there by himself after. By himself. Yes. He's by himself, <laughs> the poor bloke. Why had they sent him in by himself? Why not? T- anyway, go, carry on, carry on. Yeah, so I <laughs> end up uh, choosing uh, Duke Nukem 64 as well for the story, not for the base story of who Duke Nukem is. I mean, because I kind of felt like the Doom guy, he, the military know he was crazy. He just wanted to kill demons. So if there's a cleanup project to be done, just send him in there. By himself, because if you send anyone in there, he's gonna kill them too. So just let him go he mayhem like a stable guy. Yeah, mm. yeah, completely. And, but <laughs> I end up choosing Duke Nukem because the way they incorporated the story into the game, where they had those little like PowerPoint slides, as we would call them these mm. days, where they had graphics. While Doom 64 just had a few text screens, and the text yes. screens didn't always add that much to the story. Most of the story was in the instruction manual. And with Duke Nukem, they put a little bit more effort in presenting the story. So I gave that Jinjo to uh, Duke Nukem. And what about uh, graphic? Hang on, gameplay. God, I don't even know my own rules. Gameplay. (laughs) Okay. So I... Yeah, so you said certain things about the gameplay. I don't remember exactly all of them, but I'll give you my take on the gameplay. So... By the time Duke Nukem 3D came out, it became more standard to play first-person shooters with keyboard and mouse. So, and but while Doom, I mean Doom did have mouse support, uh, contrary to what a lot of people think, but uh, not everyone would play Doom with a mouse back in the day. They would do keyboard only, or they would use a trackball. So Doom was uh, set up to compensate for such things. So when you're playing Duke Nukem 64 and you're trying to do like a vertical aim or left and right aim and you try to shoot enemies, you will likely miss them just because you're Mm -hmm. trying to shoot up and down. While with Doom, it takes one of the dimensions away from you so you can just focus on the horizontal and it's a little bit easier to hit the enemies just for that reason alone. But also the the way the shotguns are are balanced. So mm-hmm. the Duke New, uh, the Doom 64 shotguns are based on the Doom 2 ones, and the Doom 2 double shotgun, or also called the super shotgun, is known mm-hmm. pretty much as like one of the best shotguns of all time, bar none, even to this day. Is that games, the double barrel shotgun? Yeah, the double barrel one, yeah, yeah. the super mm-hmm. shotgun. Even when they release new games, they look back on that shotgun, and they, they always compare it to that double barrel super shotgun, and they find all the newer game shotguns are worse. Doom 64 has the same mechanics as that shotgun. And the reason why it's so effective is it has a nice widespread. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to have a perfect aim. And each each pellet shoots out. So it shoots 20 pellets out. Each one is calculated individually as a hit scan. So Mm -hmm. even if you're very far away, you still have a high probability of hitting someone with at least a little bit of damage. So it's a very effective weapon. While in Duke Nukem 64, it's spread is much tighter and you're trying to aim vertically with the controller and the enemy can get right in your face and you still end up missing them with your shotgun. So it becomes more of a struggle to get mm. through. And, um, and then also comes down to level design. So you mentioned, I think we end up agreeing a bit on the level design. So both yeah. games have like screw you moments where you will instantly die by falling into a pit or someplace. Yep. Yeah, they've no. all, they've both got equally those moments of, ah, 
Ah, you're dead. You know, yeah. just yeah. for making the... It does. Uh, it's the Turok 2 element when I was going through that, uh, the single player on that, that has got a lot of those moments of, ah, screw you, you're going to die now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but... Uh, uh, so with Duke Nukem on uh, 3D on PC, it didn't matter because you could quit quick save before those death points. And but on the N64, you can't no quick save. save. <laughs> you just save between levels, and so those death points really screw you over. And then uh, so for Doom 64, those levels were designed for the N64 version. And actually, during development, they set sent a, a prototype cartridge with an N64 to ID to play test their levels. And mm -hmm. it didn't like them. It told them to redesign. So Doom 64 was supposed to be a launch shuttle, but then got delayed even more because they mm -hmm. had to redesign the levels. And so, like in, uh, so those levels end up being a little bit fairer. Sure, there is uh, death pits here and there, but they're not as far into levels. And there isn't like those, like in one of the Duke Nukem levels, there's these gears that you have to quick time to get through or else it immediately yeah. crushes you. Oh, yeah, And that's it sends annoying. you all the way back. Yeah. Doom 64 does not have that kind of thing where you have to do a quick time and you get in there. Usually it's a pit that you kind of can see there. Sometimes it might trick you and suddenly appear that pit. But it's not never a quick time moment where you have to either make it through or die in Doom 64. It's uh, you can see it in the distance. If you fall in, it's your own stupid fault. We try to warn you about that pit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of the level design in, in I remember I was playing Duke Nukem on stream as well, and there were some points in the level that it was like, where are we supposed to go? Yeah, it was exactly. like you have to rub no, against this I really have... texture on the wall, and you're like, I don't know where I'm going. We got lost. Lost. It was the the place with the. It was like a canyony. Um, yeah. The, yeah. That, the, oh, the that best, level was dicks. Uh... Yeah, the, so, which is like the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I'm there's not, so many moments yeah. of that in Duke Nukem, uh, yeah. the Duke Nukem 64, where you are like, "How is this obvious?" You know, yeah. we speak about it a lot in the. Uh, you know, I've spoken a lot with Tom Campbell when we're talking about uh, Zelda, and Zelda, it's just muscle memory, but yeah. that game takes the piss out of you. It really um, does. It's like, yeah. it's like, why are you doing this? So did you you gave this one to, to Doom then? I'm assuming. Yeah, and plus, like as navigation goes, uh, the Duke Nukem 64 no longer has an auto map on there, so you can't use a map to help you find your way around. Doom mm. 64 it has an auto map on there, and plus, Doom 64 is good at color coding doors. Where oh, this one's a red key, but this one's a blue key, this one's a yellow key. Now yes. when people play. Doom 64 for the first time, they don't think about memorizing where these colored doors are, but once eventually they start going, okay, I need to remember where that's at so I can go back and get to it. Completely. And while with Duke Nukem, uh, they didn't, it was harder for them to color code doors, so it's you can get lost a little bit easier in Duke Nukem. Yeah, I thought it would be close. I mean, I, I, I thought Doom Nukem would win the Jinjos. I'm not, uh, thought Doom would win the Jinjo um, competition, but I thought it would be close because there's I always felt with like was I was having this discussion with them all for about like the legacy of Duke Nukem and mm -hmm. being that kind of like um, it's a lot more fun like as uh, on on face value Duke Nukem's the character and it's more you know the memorable and he's more of mm -hmm. a kind of big bold thing but when you actually play the game I feel like. I, when you get into Doom 64, 
it's a better game just it's more Agreed. enjoyable but on the outside when you play Duke Nukem you go in you can use the toilets you can see the naked mm, boobs you know it's yeah. more like it's more funny and it's but once you start get once you get past that first level and you get away from the whole like the the novelty starts well, wearing off about Duke Nukem you know it gets into that whole like this level's dicks. It's not fun anymore. It's, it's kind of a slap. You know, it's kind of a bitch to get through. And you're like, this isn't fun anymore. You know, once it starts, you get away from the whole, oh, funny little quirky things. It just starts. So I, I, I felt it was going to go that way. But I was curious. I thought it'd be close because, you know, you got the music of Duke Nukem. Everyone knows it. But it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it'd be close. But yeah, I thought Doom would win it. <laughs> Because it's yeah. that comeback ability, and yes. I, I use that a lot on the podcast. But for me, Duke Nukem, you said it's got those moments like, Mahaha, that mm. was funny. And then you move on to the game. Now, once you've seen that once, it's like, oh, yeah. oh, where's these secrets? Where are they? Um, yeah. To make sure you had the secrets for a level. But this is where the difference for me was. So Doom 64, it has that comeback ability. Yeah. It has that want of playing it. And I've been playing. I I I want to I'm going to come back and do your mod in full. Yeah, um, we'll have to talk I, more about that at the end. Yes, no, we definitely will. But for me, this uh, I have been playing Doom 64 now for the last 6 weeks in preparation for the podcast for um just genuinely playing it on streams or playing it in my own time. There has been an element over the last six weeks where I'm. It's not a. It's not. It's great to pick up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm starting from the beginning or using the passwords to go through that game. I mean, I want to pick it up. Yeah. And I said on the stream uh, that, that the next stream I will not be playing it just because I don't want to. Don't want to get sick of yeah. it. I don't want to get because I've played it so much over the last six weeks to the point of I'm playing Mass Effect at the moment on the Xbox um, just to take myself away from that first person shooter. Um, so thank you so much today, guys, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. And next year we hit uh, the 25th anniversary of Doom. And I'm sure you both will be on for that again. So we're going to save some of it. And then you'll be and, like, you know, have you teasers. played it? Nah. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> you still played it yet? No. Well, because I live with him. So I don't have to play it because it's just like, I, I, I just go to him, oh, Doom 64, and he'll go, yeah, well, anyway, the ambience of this level is really good. And sometimes I'm just kind of like, I don't need to play it. I, I already need <laughs> you should. Yeah. You should just, uh, for the 25th anniversary, you should just play it. Well, lock mm. a morpher in that room where you are. And then you can stream from the front room and a morpher can't... You can just do it on your own. Do it on yeah. your own. Do it on your lonesome. I'll just put something else in. I'll be like, oh, I'm yeah. secretly playing. Yeah, that would be a good idea for the 25th anniversary. Pocket yeah, Ninja just plays Doom 64. Completes Doom 64 on mm. her own. <laughs> <laughs> with, no. with expert tutelage. <laughs> so one last time, guys. Uh, where can everybody find you? I am on Twitter, uh, Pocket Ninja 85, and on Twitch, it's Pocket Ninja 85. Pocket Ninja 85 everywhere, wherever you want to go. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar for me. You can find me as Immorpher on most places. Uh, if it's uh, on Twitch and uh, and on Twitter, it's Immorpher64. But everywhere else, it's Immorpher. So on Bandcamp, wherever, you can find me there. Or he just comes onto your stream and just... Be inappropriate and annoys you, so you'll get yes. to know him. 
Yeah. Or you'll just see Pocket Ninja appear on our streams <laughs> and it breaks. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Wow. What an episode. And I mean, there's so much that we didn't even tap into. Like, we didn't really... We, we brushed on uh, Amorphous mods and... We, we, I mean, yeah, I mean, that last bit with the battle for Jinjo's where he gives his own opinions on it. I literally was just sat there in pure silence just taking it in because I love this console as a whole. But this man's love for one game is just... And his knowledge, wow. So... As I sort of alluded to there, we are coming into our mini-histories. We're going to save that for the right at the end. But we're coming into our mini-histories. And obviously, Doom 64 will have its anniversary next year. And Amorpha will 100% be on that. Do you know what? We'll get Pocket Ninja on as well. Because before then, we will get Pocket Ninja, T5, go and follow her on Twitter and Twitch... We will get her streaming Doom 64 and completing it in its entirety. So, you know what? I'm really looking forward to them coming back on next year. I bloody love that. So, let's go on to the mini histories. Because next podcast, we have a mini history of Project Reality. This is going to be a lot of ugh, planning. <laughs> if you haven't already listened, I did do mini history of Zelda Part 1 and Part 2. This is going to be as intense for me as those. Um, so please make sure you, if you're not already subscribed to wherever you get your podcasts from, make sure you do. Follow, subscribe, whatever. Any little bit of support. It's really appreciated. If you thought that this was a really good episode, please retweet it. Talk about it. You know, I really enjoy doing these. And it's lovely to hear that you guys enjoy them as well. Obviously, on the old Twitch, at N64LifePodcast. Come and get involved. Because if you do, you can claim chat points or known in our world as Jinjos. Yep, I'm sticking to one animal in the N64 world, and that's the way it will stay. And one of those things you can claim is a shout-out. So, people that have claimed a shout-out between la- the last podcast and now, Amorphous64. We're going to go past that one because he's been spoken about enough. Now, another person that is, it's his hat-trick. He's been on three and a bloody row. It's Misha. So thank you so much, Misha, for all your support. And the last one, I believe it's the last one. If I have missed you, please DM me. But it's Matty Boo. Now, obviously, Misha and Matty Boo have been there from day one. And I did go back, actually, on the followers And the first follower of this Twitter page was Matty Boo. So go and give him a follow. Matty Boo on Twitter, or Matty Boo Twitter, I believe, on Twitter. You know what I mean. Um, No, go and give him a follow. He is a massive supporter of mine. 
um, genuine friends. And same with Misha. And same with Morpha. You're my friends. Everyone listening. Every single one of you. You. Yes, you. I see you. You shouldn't be doing that, should you? No, you dirty little thing. Anyway, <laughs> come and join us on a Friday and a Sunday British Standard Time at 8.30 till 11.30. That's p.m., not a.m. No one's that mental to do that that early in the morning. <laughs> um, and I will see you in a couple of weeks for Project Reality. Sorry, a mini history of Project Reality Thank you so much for listening, and I shall see you very, very soon.